You're listening to the Visual Vocalist Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Prinson. Join me and let's explore all things vocal, including technique, mindset, training and performance in an effort to unleash your full vocal potential. Welcome to the Visual Vocalist Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Prinson. Thanks for joining. All right, so today we are going to talk about the curse of the baritone, okay? The curse of the baritone sounds like like a scary movie or something like Curse of the Pharaoh or something. Bunch of baritones running around scaring people. Okay, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. The curse of the baritone, basically, for those of you who may not know what that is that are listening, is something that us guys, before we have successfully found a good vocal coach and or a good vocal coach and vocal training system, we felt like we had been stuck in this rut of just not being born with what it takes to be able to sing pretty much anything that we want to sing. Nothing very high, nothing in the high range, nothing in the middle high range, just completely stuck singing low and a lot of times an octave underneath our favorite pos- uh, popular music, okay? So the curse of the baritone is how you feel when you talk with a voice like mine or lower and you and you just feel like I can't sing anything. That's just too high for me. I can't sing anything. Wow, what it would be like not to have this baritone curse, right? Okay, well, the first thing that you <laughs> got to realize is is that uh, having a low voice doesn't mean that you can't sing high by any means. Okay, if anything, um, with the right training and the right instruction and the right system and the right practice, not only can you learn how to sing high, but you can actually get a really, really good fat tone and have access to a lot more range than your tenor counterparts, okay? Um, Having the low range naturally gives you access to those lower notes um, that a lot of tenors will have to train in the exact same way that you, baritones and basses, are training up, okay? But they feel much more natural to you, much more natural. It's just what you've, it's all you've had available to you this whole time, all right? So you got to take a look at this objectively, all right? The reason we feel like it's a curse is because we've had basically a lifetime of struggle, And in my experience, I was right around 17, almost 18 years old before I finally decided to take vocal training and uh, lessons. So I had that entire (laughs) lifetime at the time to build up a plethora of wrong, terrible habits, okay? Things that are just completely working against me when I was trying to sing higher, okay? Um, there was possible damage at one point before someone just flat out told me, Eli, you need, if you're going to try this, you need to take lessons. You're going to hurt yourself. Cause they'd see me screaming and straining and, um, getting through, trying to get through one or two songs and then having to, um, at the time thinking I had to use (laughs) some kind of uh, throat spray that you would use if you had a flu or a cold or something or a sore throat. I was walking around at band practice with my first little band and had all kinds of secrets and throat numbing sprays and all kinds of stuff. I was doing everything wrong, right? Um, so it was, you have the, the danger of, of hurting yourself 
because you're straining, experimenting, you don't know what you're doing. Then there's the psychological part of things, the, 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 the constant failure and just feeling like you're, you know, you're hopeless no matter what you do, no matter how much quote unquote work ethic you have, no matter how hard you're trying, you're not getting anywhere. And that's pretty sad if you think about it, that your voice is low. So you're, you're straining and you're trying and you're pushing and you're doing anything you possibly can to get it to go higher. And you feel like you're trying as hard as you can, but you're hurting yourself. You're not getting anywhere. Right. And then there's that possible ridicule from friends or family or, you know, other bands or bandmates or something. And just, you know, hearing people say, man, this is not for you. You have no business singing. Then those little voices get in your head. And every time you try to do anything, you have that fear of failure and that uh, feeling like, you know, maybe I should just give this up completely. Right. Okay. And then we have uh, (laughs) going to the wrong teachers, having that bad experience and feeling like you genuinely have no hope. What I mean by that is, you, if you do decide, oh, all right, I'm going to take lessons and you don't get as lucky as, as I did, right? I found an awesome teacher right off the bat. I was very lucky. And I've heard the horror stories uh, from students and from people that say, you know, I went to a teacher and they told me, no, you, you have to sing bass or baritone. You're going to sing between these notes and these notes, and that's all you got. So you need to um, get used to it, learn it, love it, live it and just uh, sing the best you can in in this uh, limited range. And then you either do so and try to become a good baritone singer, or you just say, ah, screw this, move on, right? Try to realize another dream. Well, I got lucky and I found a really, really good teacher right off the bat. And um, I did not have that experience. So that's very sad when I do hear that. Okay. And then uh, we start making excuses, right? You might make excuses or give up. I just can't do this. This That's just too high. No, you know, uh, well, uh, yeah, I tried to take training, but they told me I was a baritone, can't sing high. So you just give up, right? So you got to find the right teacher. You got to find the right teacher, the right advice, the right system of singing, the right instruction. All right. Um, And I'd be hypocritical if I said that you need to find a teacher with a low voice, like someone like me or someone who teaches um, and possesses a massive range with an even lower voice than me. Okay, because myself, I had, my teacher was actually a tenor. He had a higher voice, a lot higher than mine, but he could sing low as well. So I saw the proof in the, um, the vocal range expansion right away from how high this guy could go, higher than he should be able to go even with his voice and then the ability to sing just as low as I could with the low voice that I had, all right? So yes, it does help if you can find a teacher that has a a voice that's low and they can sing high, because then that that shows you, okay, somehow, some way they have come across something that has made this work for them and that's what I'm looking for. So there's proof there, but um, finding the right teacher that can uh, teach well um, is the most important thing. Okay. So it was a long road. I'm not going to lie. All right. I have, um, a low voice, low speaking voice. I actually speak a little bit higher than I naturally did when I was a kid. I had very poor speech habits, 
used to talk down in my throat and chest. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. Voice sounded a lot like my dad. My dad had a bass voice. Um, and so I had to learn how to speak and move it around and put a little bit of melody on it and get it to resonate a little bit more. And it was all done by thinking and repetition and practice. So the more I think about that, the better my speech habits seem to appear, right? So not only did I have to take training and, 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 and just train and learn and, and put in the time and the effort, but I had to start from ground zero by um, recognizing the, the bad habits in my own speech, which gave way to better vocal technique. So the very first thing was the placement of my voice. My voice was placed very, very low in my chest and in my throat. And my teacher wanted me to place everything up into the mask, the low voice, the mid voice, the high voice, all of it. Wanted it resonating above, above the mustache, so to speak. Okay. So started training with uh, speech techniques and then got the placement a little bit better day by day, week by week. And then the, um, the exercises started to actually do something for me. So it was a long road, a long road. I got frustrated in the beginning. I won't lie. Won't blow smoke. I'm telling you the truth. A lot of you have been there. Um, very frustrated, just wanted everything right away. Was just, you know, just totally antsy for the results, but there's training involved. And, uh, that's usually how it works when you want something that's you know, that only a few people seem to have, or is like, really like, Ooh, wow. It's kind of like uh, the guy, you know, the guys with the eight pack abdominal muscles, you know, they didn't take a magic pill or, or wave a magic wand over their midsection. They had to change their eating habits. And there's a lot of exercise and working out and dedication that go into that. And then of course you reap the benefits, right? So the same thing goes with singing, extending your range, getting better, becoming a, the singer you've always wanted to be takes time and practice and dedication and repetition. You got to have your mind, um, in the right place. Okay. You got to have a good training mindset, positive mindset, and you got to be smart with your practice and your technique. And you got to pay attention to your voice. You got to do a lot of listening. So finally, if you stick with it, there's that light at the end of the tunnel, that one day where out of nowhere, you hit a note that you just couldn't hit before, no matter how hard you strained and screamed and had every vein in your neck and throat bulging out and your eyes crossing, your tongue sticking out. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen that before. The guy with a lower voice trying to sing something and basically <laughs> Once you do start training uh, with voice, with a good technique, you, uh, and you understand, then you start to see everything they're doing wrong. And you recognize and realize that you were doing all the same things, right? One example of this is um, my teacher had me and his students train with a mirror so that we could see all of the bad habits that we had somehow built up in our whole life. You know, the jaw tension, the jaw jutting, the sticking the tongue out, the raising the chin up, turning the head to the side, contorting our face and just everything that we're doing wrong. Okay. And then of course we'd have to work tension by tension and bad habit by ha bad habit and eliminate all those things. And then every time you did that, 
it seemed like you got more uh, sensation of the right things happening, the little things. So you have, you have to be patient. You have to have the right instruction, the right technique, and you got to do the work. So instead of just screaming as hard as you can and thinking that that is the effort and that is the work ethic that you need, it's actually eliminating all of the things that are working against you, recognizing them, being taught what to do, and having that mindset as you train that not only am I just going to do this scale, I'm not going to randomly do scales. I'm going to seek out those improvements mentally while I'm training. I'm going to create that list of tensions and bad habits, and I'm going to go and work one by one to eliminate them. Okay. So you start getting the notes. I'll never forget this. I can, I remember exactly where my voice was. Um, from the beginning, I used to scream to try to, um, to try to just hit a G4 right here. Okay. And that was as absolutely as high I can go right between G and G sharp. And I remember that quite well. Now it was it singing and musical. No, it was just me yelling to hit a note. And that's as high as I could take it with doing everything wrong. I even remember, um, trying to hit the high note at the end of my way, the way that Elvis performed it. And he would hit my way and hit the G right here. And I couldn't do that. I would get the yodel, it, you know, it would be my word. And it would be like, and it would crack and I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so I remember one day being able to do that and it was easy and I held it as long as it goes. And then I was uh, training, I was in a session with uh, my teacher, Al Cohen, and I hit an A and Al says, Hey, Eli, you just hit, you just hit an A. And I'm like, I can't hit an A. And he's like, you just did. And he showed me on his keyboard, um, me hitting the A4. And what he had done is just, uh, modulated something that I, he had been having me sing. And, um, even from the low notes moving up and somehow uh, he had tricked me. He used to do this quite often. He would kind of trick me into hitting notes, you know, to, uh, tap into that psychological part that says, no, you can't do this. I can't do this. I can only hit this. I can't go that high. And he used to, he used to hate that. He, he used to tell me can't, never could, and won't, never will. You got to get that out of your vocabulary. So I remember hitting that A4 and then he says, um, the only way you were able to hit an A4 with that low voice you have is by doing everything right is by, um, thinning the sound out, you know, placing it higher not going around with the jaw and the mouth and the neck and everything, but placing that voice higher and relaxing certain things, modifying vowels, so on and so forth. The only way I was going to get that up there is to thin that sound out. So not to bring ah, the, the, the complete fat throaty chest sound. And even though I was belting this in, in my true voice, um, he got me to go much, much higher just by thinning the sound out and placing it, um, into an area where I never thought I could get the voice because I was so used to screaming from my throat and chest. So once I got the A, that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and that, that little bit of a reward, it was like, oh my God, I did it. I can do this. That, that kind of, you know, rang a bell in my mind and in my confidence that, Hey, this actually is working. I can actually do this. You know, wow. At first you, you tell yourself, I can't believe it, 
But then, you, you know, if you have a good teacher like I had, he'd say, you better believe it. You know, you can do this. You can do this. You just did it. You know, sometimes seeing is believing. And then sometimes um, what he used to tell me is um, experiencing something can be the best teacher. You know, so he would tell me, now you have something to go on and something to grow on because you've experienced it. And so I kept trying and trying and trying. And I failed several times to try to hit it again. And then some of them would come through. I'd get excited. And then, you know, it was kind of hit and miss. But I knew what I was looking for because I had experienced it and I believed that I could do it. And then the B flat four came, then the B and then the tenor C. And it was always a celebration. It was always like, all right. And he used to tell me every semitone that we get of range for you, <clears throat> every semitone that we extend your range opens up an entire catalog of possibilities of songs that you can sing. And so that was always like a really amazing reward as well. It was like, wow. You know, I was only able to sing probably to around F or F sharp to where I could actually get through a song when I first started. And so just getting the uh, the G and the G sharp opened up just hundreds of songs that I couldn't sing before then, so on and so forth, all the way up to tenor C. Once you could get through the money notes, uh, you can sing thousands of songs. And then once you get the C sharp and D, you can sing virtually anything. And then you just have to deal with the, you know, the dynamic high notes, depending on what the style is. And those are usually easier than the actual singing between middle C and tenor C. <laughs> so it's a, it's a trip. It's a trip. And you learn all these things. You learn after a while with that, that low voice, after you stick with a good system and a good teacher, and you start to understand things, you start to get the growth in your voice. Then you understand how everything you were probably trying before was completely working against you. And, and, it, and it ends up being the small little movements of placement and vowel modification and releasing certain things instead of trying to flex every muscle in your body. The tensions that appear and the bad habits that appear, um, as my teacher used to say, is, you know, the bad habits begin as you trying to support your voice with every possible muscle and bone and tendon in your body other than what you should be using. So, so then the, uh, the retraining is just letting go of all those things that are actually not helping you at all. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's laughable now, but it wasn't back then. <laughs> I only wanted to cry back then. <laughs> okay, so then the vindication is, uh, in my case, is tell you a little story. I remember, because I used to be a drummer before I started singing, and then after I started um, taking lessons and, and started to get the improvements, um, I was just so happy because it's, you know, as, as it started to, to get better and started being able to sing higher, um, like my confidence exploded and, and, and then the understanding of what I was trying to do with the exercises exploded. So then the improvements just kind of skyrocketed. It was like the understanding from experiencing uh, some of the smaller improvements grew into larger improvements quick, quickly. So then I started to get a lot better, a lot better, kind of quick. And um, I remember before that happened, <laughs> I was screaming and straining and trying to sing in this band, you know, this kind of a side band that I had created with some of my other 
um, band members or bandmates from a, a previous band that I had played drums in. So we started a, kind of a, a heavy rock metal band and I was trying to sing. So I could only go barely to G4 and then I, I didn't even have a good head voice or a high voice at all. I would try to hit the high notes in falsetto and it sounded ridiculous. And um, But I remember during a break hearing one of my buddies from high school saying, yeah, man, Eli will, he'll never be able to sing you know, cover tunes. It'll always have to be originals because he's got that low voice. He'll never be able to sing high, you know? And um, it hurt my feelings, but at the same time, it was like, you know what? I'm going to use that and I am going to think about that every time I'm training. I'm going to think about that in a positive way. I, I don't have any hatred towards my buddy because the vindication came, you know, after a year or so <laughs> of uh, vocal training under my belt. He came up to me, he told me, he's like, Eli, I was wrong about you, man. And it just, it felt so good because he was my, a good friend of mine, you know, um, hearing that come back from him, like, man, you really, you really did it. You know, it was that kind of a conversation. You really did it, man. You didn't give up, man. You're, you're getting pretty good, man. This is cool. How'd you do it? <laughs> you know, a lot of hard work. So then, you know, eventually I went from having no range to having a, a massive vocal range, right? I sang in a lot of power metal bands. Power metal is a um, style of singing or a musical genre that requires mostly a very, very high tenor range as well as a massive range all throughout. And um, so I went from having maybe an octave and a half to five octaves. And when the planets are in alignment, almost six. And I can't believe it. None of my old buddies can believe it. You know, my bandmates couldn't believe it. Um, but I never gave up, never gave up. So if you listen to this voice right here, yeah, what's up, man? Blah. This is the same voice that fronted the Sacrificed and Sacred Warrior and Dream Patrol, done projects with Aldaria, Signum Regis, sang for Deliverance. I, I, made my, my dreams come true and enjoyed every second of it. And then now I'm passing it on. So now I'm teaching the same techniques that I trained with to develop and, and break this baritone curse. I'm teaching it to others. So every time I log on with a new student and they're like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm like, all right, all right, here we go. <laughs> and it's, um, it's a lot of fun because I know exactly what they're going through. I've been there. I've lived it. I've lived the training. I've lived the, the you know, the, uh, I teach the same things to, to correct and um, correct the, the bad behavior. And I, you know, I've made their lives a lot easier than mine were or mine was as far as training because I've already been through it. I've done the trial and error. You know, and, and I know how to kind of get them a lot quicker to the place they want to be because of having to solve all of the problems and go through it. So, all right, that about does it for this episode of the Visual Vocalist Podcast. If you'd like to break the baritone curse and learn more about me and hybrid vocal technique, then click the link below in the description. Head over to hybridvocaltechnique.com and explore all of the vocal training options made available to you, such as 
HVT vocal training programs, private one-on-one -on -one online coaching, or become a VIP member and get streaming access to the entire HVT vocal training library, community, Q&A live streams, giveaways, legacy content for my teacher, and of course, discounted private lessons. So the choice is yours. Please make it today and let's sing. I'll see you next time.